I fell into a ring of fire. I fell in. Hello and welcome to uh, Fever FM. You probably don't need to know that. You know what button you've clicked on or subscribed to, so it probably doesn't matter. Um, as you can tell, Frosty is not here, uh, so I have to sit in as host again. He is stupidly has some kind of social event, so um, I don't know what a 52-year-old is doing out on a, on a weeknight, but there you go. Let's be honest, he'd probably spend the whole time updating his laptop anyway, wouldn't he? So. We're trying to recode the software. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that was Cam and Helena. Helena, you haven't been on here for like a month at least, I feel like. I was here two weeks ago. Oh, well, yeah. It can't be that noticeable. Okay, well, I'm going to, I mean, do you want me to come back? <laughs> That's a hell of an indictment, man. <laughs> you edited the podcast. <laughs> I think I should leave. <laughs> no one's going to oh, be like, no, no. You add so much gender equality, except it's not. It's like one fifth. So it's token. At least one person in there has to have some intelligence, mate. So you got to stay around. Yeah, you're our small ball expert. Oh, God. Come in handy soon. Dave is also here, by the way. <laughs> Hi. All right, should we get into it? Um, it feels like it's, well, it has been quite a long time. I think the woman played on Friday night against Central Coast, and it was another loss. Our sixth this season. Um, I was just looking back. All six have been by one goal. Uh, I guess it just means we've been close and we haven't been smashed yet. A few changes this on Friday night. Cox is away at her sister's wedding, but based on Instagram, she's having a great old time. And then I think news came out after we recorded last week that uh, Brie Edwards and Elliot have been given some time off for the week. So I assume they'll be back this weekend. Led to a bit of a um, slightly changed lineup. Maybe can play left back and then we all said Lake and Barry. Oh, Megan was right back, wasn't she? Foster played left back, and then we had the the normal uh, Longo, Taylor, and Fraser in midfield, and then had Maine, Winham, and Speckmeyer up front. Winham seemed to have played a little bit of a kind of false nine lots of the time, something or something similar. But I guess overall thoughts, this is another kind of disappointing result, really, isn't it? Extremely disappointing. Yeah, there's each of those losses that you've talked about so far, just you know, as a as a group, at least three, four of them, I think, we've been in with really good shouts of actually winning those games. There's only been, uh, let's say, the first game maybe against City was quite even, and I think City deserved probably edge it, and then the first time we played Mariners where they played us off the puck. So there's there's no, most of those other games we've been in and just unable to close out. This one had a very, very similar feel. Um, where it's just the opportunities are there, uh, Brisbane the previous week, opportunities are there to close out a game and win it quite well, but we're just not taking them and it feels like that's coming back to bite us now, particularly with the schedule that we've got coming up where we've only got one game in New Zealand between December, between Christmas and late March. So the whole the whole concept there is for me is that we, we just, we're still playing good football, we're still in with chances in every single game, but there's something missing that we're not quite able to close them out. No, I mean, I, I was just to say, I kind of disagree to some extent. I think, I think, I think you're kind of right about the other games in that it felt like we were in it. I felt this one we were more out of it than those previous ones. I felt like, and and it's a bit harsh, but we we played some pretty horrid football at times in this game. I thought, and realistically, the only goal we got was gifted to us by mistake. Now, really tidy finish, you know, really quick transition and, and nice finish to score it, but it was gifted to us by a big mistake. And and the stuff we created the rest of the game was largely shots from 
quite a distance that didn't even need to be saved most of the time because they were over the bar. Um, you know, they were decent chances. They weren't they weren't horrendous. But if if that's the only stuff we're creating in a game versus I thought their goals were pretty decent and they had some pretty decent normal chances, I think they deserve to win. And we, we were probably lucky to be as in it on the scorecard as we were. Yeah, I agree with Dave. I mean, like I, I, I agree with Cam on the general point that there have been games that, you know, we've just should have won. I mean, the Adelaide game is obviously the prime example, but this game was was the game where I kind of lost patience a little bit because I think that there are repeated errors that seem fixable to me. I think the thing that really, and it's coach killing, the thing that really stopped us from being in this game in a meaningful way was quite like simple decision-making stuff. You know, how many set pieces were hit from 45, 50 yards? Like, I mean, any keeper in that league, you've got to give them a bit more respect, actually, one. But two, Dumont is, de- is known to being a decent aerial keeper. She's one of the most experienced keepers in the league. It's not someone that I would personally say test every time from however long out you are. Like, we wasted so many prime position free kicks because Central Coast were giving away stupid fouls. That was our foothold back into this game. Their discipline wasn't there. But we just didn't have that decision-making, I guess, in mouse at any stage to to take advantage of that. The other thing I think I really noticed in this game that I think I've been slowly noticing for a few weeks is that I think Mickey Foster's. I don't know if she's thriving in this system. I think she's been a little bit hamstrung this season. And I don't know if that's because there's been more quality around her, so she's not, you know, essentially doing the team carry that she was doing. But I don't feel like we're getting... I don't think we're getting our money's worth out of the fullbacks right now either. So I think we just, we looked pretty limp and it's, it was, I found it extremely frustrating to watch. Somewhat something I think this kind of sums up maybe the last week or, or about four weeks or six weeks where we kind of play some good stuff, maybe overplay it a little bit too much, make a few rash decisions, get punished for turning all the ball in a, in a you know, in a not so great area. And, I, and again, you know, I think I've mentioned it previously, like our ability to create good chances in and around that sort of six yard box to penalty spot, it's almost non-existent. Like if it's not a corner or a cross where like I write notes for, you know, talking points each game. And like the amount of times I say takes a shot from outside the box or the edge of the box, like there's nothing from, you know, there's nothing I ever say that says point black shot, you know, clear off the line or something like that. Like it, it, it just, it feels like, like maybe maybe teams have, have have not necessarily sussed us out, but have kind of realised that we play very centrally and and are kind of packed pack that area and just close down space and and as good or as much as we want to try play in tight areas, you can only do that when there's space to do it. You're so right. Like you have to give yourself that space. Like do something different to create that space for yourself. You know, like that's not going against the philosophy. That's facilitating the philosophy. You know. Yeah, football's about manipulating space, right? Trying to drag players out of position, utilising it. It just seems like lots of our attack is in front of defenders or in front of defensive midfielders. Like, we just don't seem to get in behind the lines, get players beyond, you know, the back line. Um, and because of that, we're, we're taking lots of chances from, from, from long range. And, and, you know, and I can understand that, you know, perhaps in the women's game, the ability to score from distance is, is perhaps more just because of you know agility and, and mobility and height of keepers but we're not really looking that threatening yeah kind of summed up that that we're just struggling struggling to create you know good clear-cut opportunities and, and relying on 
you know some speculators to kind of get us across the line and and for whatever it's not hasn't been working for the last you know month or so yeah i mean and i'm not against the speculators per se right like i don't i don't mind testing gloves i don't mind reminding defenders that you will shoot if they don't step like that's that's an important part of manipulating space. I think for me that what I found, and like I said, they're, they're playing, you know, they do some good stuff, but for me, it's just that, for example, the failure to adapt or to, to pick the lock or to stop doing things that aren't working is what I'm finding frustrating. Okay. Try it three times, try it four times, but try it five times. I, I struggle with that. How do you, how do you think when and when does that sort of, I guess, focal point up front? Close, but too many touches, which I think is not, was not her alone. I think it sums up the entire kind of, it was a slightly lethargic performance. I mean, because Wynnum has an ability to pick passes and to move defenders around that, you know, I think is pretty unrivaled when she plays well. But I think, you know, you possibly could tell that she's had a bit of a layoff. There's a couple of times where I was like, I mean, if that ball had gone a second earlier. But like I say, I mean, that kid has got an incredible ceiling. And I think if the system starts clicking, like the concept of her and Macy Fraser playing off each other, like it is super exciting. It's just, I guess, that fine-tuning piece. And I think like it comes back to that decision-making thing, which you'd expect young players are not going to be – they're not going to nail that every time. But it was frustrating. Do you think that's playing here there is a little bit of necessity? Like, I think as the, the season's gone on, I think uh, my view is kind of spec. My – I don't think is the nine that perhaps we should, we thought she were. She, she looks far more dangerous right. getting in, in slightly wider positions, isolating fullbacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never really bought her as a nine, to be honest, from the beginning. Like, she was played in the midfield a bit in the States. She played wide a lot at um, Clemson. So, it was an in- I, again, I don't think we actually recruited a nine, which is kind of fascinating. As well. No, I think I think that's our problem, right, is we don't really have any nine anywhere in the squad. And so you've kind of got to ask someone to take that role on a little bit or play something that doesn't require a nine to score any goals, which, yeah, I think they've gone, she's the best pick of a, a bunch of non-nines so let's try our luck but yeah well she it's, does a um, good there are things you know for yeah. someone who's not a natural nine that she does very well in terms of like she's good in the air she scored some good aerial goals and she's obviously rapid so she's she'll do the job but like as someone who's been you know pigeonholed into being a nine who isn't a nine what what you can never learn is there's just sort of a sort of preternatural poacher's instinct that you just yeah. need to get someone who has that i think yeah, there was there was a, ch- a time I, I think it must have been the second half where a few times we actually went wide. She got in behind, I think, a fullback and cut back in, and looked up and there was like Wynnum, who's like you know what five foot six, and about four players around her, and then no one else. And like we weren't like driving players into the box to try you know cause a bit of confusion, and she just kind of had a long distance shot, which is kind of like sums it up, right? It's like maybe like no one expects us to like create chances in the box so like everyone just sort of doesn't make any late runs or anything like that it just kind of seemed to sum up our sort of point of attack or, or lack of yeah but i mean i guess to be fair so say something kind of positive because I, I don't want this come across like us slamming them I, these are things that like this is part of my frustration ironically these are things that i do think are quite fixable they're not having a nine possibly less fixable but as i say speckline does a decent enough job of it we got cops coming back right yeah but she's on a nine like it's a real continual phoenix thing well this is like this is my soapbox right because this is my life you can't just take a seven and eleven like a winger or a wide forward which is kind of what the modern winger tends to be you can't take them and just turn them into nine it's such a such a niche position you can't just whack anyone up top 
such an antipodean thing to think you can just chisel out a nine but most of the other things we've talked about they're they're 90% there it is the fine tuning piece and like what a luxury to be talking about it with the next woman I guess but well I mean I hope that we see I mean they've got a tough assignment coming up but I do hope that we see some of that stuff that can be fixed as well as I said we've had lots of very close losses which I guess in some ways kind of you know suggests we're not hugely far off like I, I know we've kind of had you know lots of trouble on the road and you know the men's side has been that along you know has had a long history and I think you know the years where we we're good on the road is when we've got you know a very good competitive squad where if you lose you know three or four percent of your performance for travel you're still competitive enough and I think perhaps this highlights that you know while at the start of the season we were up there we had lots of those home games at the start and perhaps the quality of our squad is not quite there that when we lose some from traveling we get back into the pack or the rest of them or even below some of them as we're kind of sort of going in that direction. Yeah, I mean it's a hard away trip too. Like just such a hard stretch that they've got. I think I think it's interesting to see, you know, we're being relatively critical of a bit of a bad run of form, right? It's away, there's been some players chopping and changing and and unavailable and all and that. Huge injuries. Think, yeah, coming coming into the season though, we never would have expected to be, you know, considering dropping out of the top six as a big slump in form, right? We would have been talking about the fact we're even middle of the pack is quite a positive considering where the teams come from. So it kind of it kind of shows how quickly our expectations have shifted from previous seasons where, you know, we were we were struggling to even compete in games. Now we're now we're gutted about a few one nil losses where we just looked a bit off the pace when actually those performances probably would have been some of our best performances in previous seasons, you know, being being competitive in games and having a few chances and nicking a goal in a 2-1 loss might have been viewed as quite a reasonable result. So I think it's it's an interesting one how quickly our expectations have been um, kind of reset by some really good home performances to start off the season. And maybe, maybe this is just the balancing out of that to some extent. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and credit to the playing group and to, to Temps and his team for, like, to raise fans' expectations that quickly is, I mean, to me, it's impressive in itself. Um, because I guess that means, like, for me, that means that the philosophy is clear to us, so it's clear when it's not being done right, which I think is actually a compliment to the club. I really, I, I would love to see them bounce back, though. And I just think, for me, I think what is a real shame is the timing of the injuries and the Chloe not saying all at once. I think that really kind of has would not have helped them, especially I think the loss of Chloe Knott has probably been felt more keenly than maybe we realise. So I think there's an issue moving forward from this point with that bounce back in that of the nine games from Christmas, they're playing one at home. So yeah. they got, uh, I think, five consecutive away games uh, between after they play the next home game. They've got five consecutive away games, something, something along those lines. And that's that's tough. That's a hard travel schedule. They may as well have, you know, have, have been based in Australia for the whole time for that because there's just the backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards nature of that. You can't get settled. And if you've got these injuries, you're constantly traveling, you can't get settled. There's going to be a real hard challenge getting that team back on track. And so it's a victim of circumstance. Obviously, we had plenty of games to start with at the beginning of the season which was awesome um and you know just with the game being shifted to sydney against the mariners and there being no other makeup game added for the women's schedule and then having to move that game later in uh february because the international window is a victim of circumstance but it might actually be what derails what has been quite a good season 
Yeah, I mean, because, you know, also the, the, the mental fatigue of not being in your home environment, I think, is just so huge, like, just for the players as human beings. I mean, maybe it's something I was thinking is, like, perhaps in this time that they've had, you know, when they settle into the away stretch, I think there might be a golden mean where they've settled into the away stretch a bit, they can find a bit more of their kind of home form. But I think that what, what we've seen is adjusting, you lose a lot of quality. And I think when they get to the tail end of it, they're going to be so fatigued, you're probably going to lose a lot of quality. So I think it's, like, it's, it's, it's usually uphill battle, but, you know, for, if they bounce back and said uphill battle, then what a testament to the team that would be. Yeah, and I guess for, for a lot of these players, it's their first time having to do that travel, right? That regular travel, you know, the squad is quite significantly different from previous years. So there's, you know, probably at least half of our starting 11 doing this for the first time. Yeah, we'll run through uh, some of the key points to see if there's anything of note. Um, as Dave said, um, obviously open the scoring. I think about the third minute, Central Coast keeper fluffed a clearance, went straight to Fre- went to Maine, I think, who whose touch went to Fraser, and she played it back, and it was quite very tidy finish to put us put us ahead one 0 early up. Yeah, no, nothing to add. I mean, yeah, I said it earlier. I think it's it comes from a mistake from them, but we we do well to convert it. You know, it would have been an easy chance to to fail to convert the mistake but we do it pretty clinically a couple of touches and a tidy finish so it's the finish that michaela robinson needed to do the week before isn't it just roll it yeah. into that near post around the keeper and i think maybe after then maybe uh, it made my memory serving me not so well but it felt like central coast kind of came back into it not with anything in particular immediately after but they just had a bit of position a bit of sort of long range testing the keeper yeah i think foster palmed away uh Fairly, you know, spectacularly a, um, a header from a corner. Um, so they started to kind of put a little bit more pressure or momentum on, in their play. And then I guess about the 23rd, 24th minute, they equalised. I don't think this is probably um, Foster's greatest uh, defending at left back. She, she kind of got fooled by the Eiffel chop, I think, didn't she? Maybe this is, uh, I mean, Helena, you mentioned about, you know, perhaps this is not Foster's greatest se- season. I mean, for all we talked last year about, you know, her dead ball ability, she was very sound defensively, right? Like not many players would get would get past her. And I felt like this year, for whatever, her one-on-one defending it just has not been at that same level and, and we're looking a bit more susceptible. Yeah, I'd agree. There were a couple of times she got rolled, which I was like, mm, is that, you know, sometimes with fullback, like you just don't want to see someone getting pinned and rolled like that at this level, I guess. So it's interesting. I mean, maybe it's just... That happens to players, and I think she's kind of been taking off a lot of dead ball duty, which probably doesn't help. Yeah, I was gonna say, I wonder, I wonder if how much of it's kind of a change in system, change in personnel, and and all of that kind of stuff. You know, different coach you're under versus how much might just be the weight of expectation as well. You know, there's a bit more pressure she places on herself. You know, they're they're after having such a good season and be that being that kind of person who just took the team on their back and carried them across the line. How much she now feels that same pressure on herself to keep doing that. And with that extra stress you're placing on yourself, you know, does does that in fact lead to a drop in form rather than an improvement in it? Um, so it could could be a bit of both, right? You know, there, there's more being asked of her and different things being asked of her by the by the coach and the and the system, but also probably asking more of herself as well because she knows how good she can be in this league, and it's just not quite coming together in the same way, you know. Because she had a very short preseason, didn't she? She only came in like one or two weeks before the season because she was at with her dad at the at the rugby so i mean i don't know if that matters 12 weeks in but i can't imagine run doing you know fitness on your own um in the gym or whatever is the same as as getting out and playing preseason games and and that match fitness but 
Honestly, I don't think it makes a difference now, mate. I don't think it makes a difference now. She might just be in bad form. It's as simple as that. I don't think she. I don't think she's in bad form by any stretch of the imagination. You know. Neither do I. Personally, I don't necessarily agree with the take, but yeah, she's certainly not the standout she was previously. No, that might be though because everybody else has stepped up. Like it's not just necessarily like last year's season. She stood out because everything good went through her, and she was involved with at least half the goals we scored, if not more, um, uh, whether it's from her delivery or scoring them, right? And it just might be that this season, she's not the standout because you've got an excellent winger on the right-hand side. You've got a couple of guys, who, are, a couple of ladies who are playing uh, very well in front of them, and there's more goals being scored. And Macy Fraser has taken a lot of that starlet kind of um, pressure off what was sitting on Foster's shoulders last year. So I think that maybe it's a... Yeah, not necessarily down to her. It might just be that the others are doing better. Yeah, I mean, I contemplated that. But I think the reason I made the point initially is actually not even Foster. Foster's the obvious one to make it with because we have a comparator for last season. But I don't think either fullback is really... I don't think the system, the fullback aspect of the system is quite clicking yet because I haven't seen what I'd like to see from Davidson either, to be honest. Um, I just don't think that the role of the fullback has been fully maximised yet, um, which again is not on either of those individual players. It's not on, you know, it's just one of those things. But I think it's that they're being asked to do quite a complicated task, um, and then obviously to defend very good wingers. Like I think across the board in the league this year, that wingers have been excellent, um, and this weekend they've got to deal with, I mean, Amina Ekic, who's like. A machine, but I just think that the fullbacks. I'm just not. I'm not sold on what I'm seeing yet. So maybe are they playing a bit more kind of like inverted, like they don't really get mm, down that touchline, exactly. like like we see from say the men's side. You know, they're not hugging, hugging that touchline, getting as far forward. Like I don't really recall them getting up and down that line. Part of the small ball system that they're operating is with those little inverted runs, and and I see exactly what I mean. It's 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 Guardiola's inversion, right? Like it's. It's clever because it creates little pockets for Macy Fraser to go to work. But I think it's a pretty tough, it's a tough ask of fullbacks. And interesting this weekend, we, this weekend we're going to see a team. Is it this weekend that we're playing Man- Melbourne City? It is, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this weekend we're going to see an example of a team that I think is doing an incredible job of what we want to get to, which is the way that Melbourne City used Julia Grosso, who was pretty nondescript at college level. Not nondescript, but, you know, she wasn't coveted. She didn't get drafted, like... She wasn't a prospect at college level at Kentucky, but at Melbourne City, she's turned into one of the best players in the league because she's playing fullback and they massively invert her and she pops up everywhere and basically everything good goes to her. She transforms the way that the city uses space. And I think it's going to be interesting to, to, to see that for us because I think that's what we could have and it's, I'm, not just, I'm not sure that it's working for us yet. About uh, 10 minutes later, uh, Central Coast scored their, um, their second goal. A, a, a goal that we kind of helped contribute, right? I think Maine had the ball and, and sort of drove into midfield and, and took a heavy touch and lost it. And then it was basically one pass through to, uh, I can't remember which the 17-year-old Central Coast player and that she sort of slotted at home as... Tremis. Yeah, try, uh, Longo was trying to get back in time, but um, I guess another kind of, yeah, um, just a frustrating one that we seem to have enough players in and around there, like... I think because the ball fell to you know their midfielder, I think, and then 
I think Mackenzie Barry came charging in to try win it straight back, and I think the ball went past her. And I think if, before that stage, we had kind of enough players, I think, to, to deal with it. And I think her sort of rushing in, and you know, you make a spare the you know, moment judgment, but if she probably held off, we we might have had enough cover to, to deal with that situation. But she kind of took herself out of the play, and, and they were through one. So pretty tidy finish to put them 2 1 ahead. Yeah, excellent finish from a 17 year old, especially. Tremis is an exciting prospect, I think. Um, and there wasn't really much before halftime. Uh, halftime, uh, Davidson came on to replace McMeekin um, at right back. Just felt like the second half, there just wasn't a lot of chances for either side, I don't think. Um, we had, a, I think it might have been Rebecca Lake, had two chances cleared off the line from a from a, a corner that was dropped. And then we had another handball shout during that same sequence turned down. Um, I don't think they ever showed the handball shout, but I, I caught the, the replay. Not as not as uh, clear cut as the Brisbane one, but I guess it, these are the kind of things where, like, when you're in a bit of a rut, you know, you feel like you're getting the, not quite getting the rub. You know, you you get two chances to pop it in from two yards and miss, and then a, a handball shout immediately after, and none of it goes in, and you're like, wow, it's not our day, is it? Yeah, which is one of those. It's, that was a. I mean, I haven't even because no one would ever show the replay of this handball, so <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know how clear cut it was, but it certainly looked suspect. But I mean, it, like, I don't think we. Honestly, I don't know if we played well enough to say that we were robbed or whatever, but just one of those days. Yeah, and it's interesting. The second half was kind of, as you say, without much incident whatsoever. The only stuff that really was of note was all of that one little sequence there. But it, it, it just felt like, I don't know, we didn't we didn't look like we were going to get back into this. And I don't know whether that was lack of desire or what, but it, it, the, the second 45, it just felt like the game might as well be whistled off we we were done you know uh, but it wasn't like we were leaking at the other end either it just was play out 45 minutes of football uneventfully i think if the, if the game had finished there you could probably say i think we might have deserved a draw but then i think central coast had a, another chance mm-hmm. um towards the end of the game maybe 15 minutes ago where that you know um they got played one-on-one and then foster one-on-one, makes it yeah. yeah and foster makes a good save and then once you look at that yeah. you go mm, they had the best you know chances of that game yeah. and on the balance of that probably a fair fair result yeah agreed i yeah i would i would hope that that performance acts as a bit of a wake up for us that you know some of those some of those things that need tweaking and as as you know helena says it's just minor tweaks but it'll make a big difference you know an extra touch here or a bad pass there or, you know rushing in when you should have held and all that kind of stuff it's all it's all little things but in this it added up to quite a kind of subpar performance and so hopefully, you know, you can just work on those little things and next next week, as you say, we've got a pretty tough opposition, but hopefully we come back with, I guess, a bit more kind of um, pep to it rather than such a kind of down performance. Yeah, well, it's uh, three losses in a row now. Uh, so it's, we're down in seventh. It's very, very congested. We're only one point behind fourth, but there's a couple of teams that have a game in hand. And theoretically tonight, we could drop down to eighth of Central Coast. I think they're playing Sydney tonight. So it is very congested, and in that sense, you know, a couple of wins can can boost you, yeah, up the up the table. Um, and I think maybe after this game, I think we have, I think we have Canberra the following week, and and then Newcastle just lost their coach um, as well. Oh yeah, he really just said goodbye. <laughs> yeah, it's been quite. It seems like every team's given up a coach this year, like Western. Oh, I forgot about it. Well, didn't Western sack their coach because they didn't have a good start for the season or something? Well, there's Western Sydney. Western United Western United also had a coaching change. 
Brisbane's had a coaching change. It's very um, unusual, I think. The team, I think they've stayed in Sydney, I think, by the, and are, are travelling down to Melbourne. So they've had almost three weeks, or at least two full weeks in, in Australia. They are back in New Zealand at the moment, though. Oh, are they? Oh, okay. I tell yeah. a lie. They have been over there a long time, but I believe they're here this, uh, mainly because I'm training tomorrow. So as far as I'm aware, they are um, they are there. Otherwise, I'm going to be sitting for quite a long time until the men start. <laughs> All the Bondi Instagram posts led me astray. Yeah. And so that leads us to take on Melbourne City uh, on Saturday night, 7pm. Uh, this is probably not the team you want to play when you've lost Serena Bounce and five away from home, is it? No. I think that pretty much sums it up. It's a hard game to have to bounce back with. Yeah, I mean, undoubtedly not great, but they did look vulnerable against Western Sydney, who to whom they, you know, very surprisingly lost last week. So, you know, everything's possible. But, yeah, I think if you're going to pick a team in the league that you didn't want to play this week, it's probably them. But Sydney gave us the blueprint, Western Sydney. Okay, so what do we need to do, Helena? What was the blueprint? Win. Yes. Win. <laughs> um, how, do we, how do we do that? So the, I mean, I think it's been a vulnerability that's not been picked up on by other teams, but they attend, they have a keeper who's great shot, shot stopper, not great with the feet. And if you do just a sort of like quite a fairly basic two point press, um, the way Western Sydney scored was they just, I mean, firstly, Western Sydney had to save a penalty to win this game. But anyway, they double point pressed the keeper and got possession coughed up very early with a high press and scored because if you let Melbourne City start cooking in their back third that's when Grosso will invert and they'll go back to front in about two seconds so it's that inversion that you really need to stop um because she essentially it's actually it's a futsal play I find it really interesting and I wonder if that's a Croatian um influence she inverts and then she cuts a swathe through whatever midfield block there is at high speed so that like any defensive system kind of has this like shock factor where they tend to get um, into disarray. So it's like cutting it off at the stem, I think is quite important. And that's what Western Sydney did because Grosso, I think is, is really key to how the city team ticks. And then obviously you've got to contain Amina Ekic, which easier said than done, but I believe that Foster can do it. She's got a lethal left foot. Um, If you let her cut and chop, she'll probably score. So that can't happen. Policine has not had, the kind of season she could be having, but she'll score if we let her shoot. So, you know, that decision-making stuff needs to be fixed up if they want points out of this game. Yeah, just have a look at their stats from the last... You know, they had two-thirds of position, but created less shots. So, yeah, I mean, we like to try keep position, so it'd be interesting to see. They have been profligate. Like, if you were going to ask me what their Achilles heel has been, it's they have the, the first 20 minutes of games, it doesn't matter who they're playing, they are all over them. They literally... I watched one game where they had 30 shots in 30 minutes. It was ridiculous. But they don't score. They scored one or two off it. And that's, you know, if the Phoenix can make good on that kind of wastefulness, then they're in with a chance. All right. That's the blueprint. I like it. To the men's side, I was fortunate enough not to watch this game live. And I feel like watching it on replay was far more enjoyable than it would have been watching it as it played out. 4-3. This felt way more comfortable than it, the score suggests to me. Like, they had hardly any chances and scored them all. Like, yeah, it, this this game could easily have been 
is, is what I'm trying to say. That, that, that's a that, that's a fair summary, mate. You, when you look yeah. at the three goals they scored, they were cracking goals. Like the yeah. header and both of the finishes with the feet were outstanding goals. Um, we shouldn't have needed to score four to win that game. But you're right. It, yeah. it, it felt like it was much more comfortable than the scorelines. The centre-back pile driver, like, what? Who does that? <laughs> it was a hit, the yeah. header was the one that really got me. The Adam Taggart I, header. That was that was outstanding. Great forward play. Adam Absolutely Taggart great. is like Adam Taggart, right? So I was like, oh, Adam Taggart, that's awesome. But, you know, but when the centre-back takes two steps and I could see he was going to hit it, I was like, well, you know, that's going into the stands and it's what it is. And then it's a bending pile driver that it's, I mean, this is, I think you're exactly right, Dale. It's a, it's a Vinny, like, Vinny Lear moment for me, right? Vinny yeah, Lear doesn't exactly score that. shit goals, but when he lines them up, it's going top corner or row Z, and it, that's exactly what it felt like when he was lining it up. But, you know, this is the thing. It's like, it's like Dale says, I wasn't, I mean, I did watch it live, and I was never, like, angry or stressed when the goals went in, which is quite rare. I was just like, damn. Anyway, we're going to score, yeah. and then we would score. And then they'd score a world, and I'd be like, damn. That was a, that was insane. And then we would score. I think that was the thing that got me was I, I could see a world in which we were going to get robbed, like mm. that, that they were going to score another worldie and we were, we were going to lose this one, you know, because it, it did feel we were dominating. Everything about how it was playing out felt like this is a game we should win. But the cynical fan voice in the back of my head's going, but look at these goals they keep banging in, you know. They, they're going to win this by two or three and not deserve any of it. And it looked plausible. And so I think I, I, while there are parts of me that see what you mean using the word comfortable at no point watching this live, did I as a fan feel comfortable about how this was going? You know, I knew we were well in this game and we should be winning it, but all routes felt like they were leading to a world in which we lose. It was just a nuts game though, which is great. Yeah. To be honest. I mean, entertainment for anyone, but a Perth fan, I think. Yeah, I had a quick look at the um, the XG for their goals, and the probability of scoring the probability of scoring all three was was not one percent. It wasn't even point one percent. It was point zero one of a percent that they would score all three goals. Jesus, that's such a good stat. It's outrageous, eh? And it, what and it, you know that makes total sense to me having watched it because that is exactly what it felt yeah. like. We've talked previously about how we've kind of outperformed our XG and and our against where um you know we've conceded less than we're expected to and i you know kind of suggesting that over time that'll kind of converge and and this is the time at which we conceded three and only had i think 0.5 against us but i think the good thing is is that there was always going to be one of these games where we would get put to the sword or, or someone would score a screamer from a low percentage chance the good thing is is we had the it came from an opposition who we could then put more goals against to, to counter it so it didn't really matter and hopefully that's our kind of one of our games it doesn't matter in the totality of the season yeah i think if you can if you can concede your three worldies in the same game as you have roofer and pain scoring yes something's something's going right with the world's karma you know if that's <laughs> if that's game. the week you concede them great i was just sitting there this whole game being like what is going on you know yeah. like when that ball yeah. popped out to roofer i was like oh jesus it's not who you want that shot and then he just rifles it like this whole game i was like are you serious like this is the most statistically unlikely game i've ever seen in my life because also it's a team coach by alan stagic scoring worldies like three worldies i was like this isn't stagical what, what am i watching funny though like him and his in his post uh game co- 
press conference, he said um, he thought that they created the better chances of the game. I was like, what world is that the, the truth? That's literally his go-to quote. He said that after the Philippines. First. Like, he's just he's just going to say it. But truly, what what a spectacle. I'm glad we won it, because imagine losing that. Yeah, I, I fell asleep. The reason I, I missed the game is because I fell asleep to my son's bedtime, and I woke up at sort of 3.30, and I thought, oh, I'll just check the result. And you, you know, in the back of the mind, you're like, this is going to be shit. How look is it? 4-3. Oh, cool, sweet. Oh, Rufa and Payne have scored. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not what I expected to read. I went to bed at half time because I had to be up in the first, literally first thing in the morning, uh, like 5.30 to get to work before 7. And um, messaged at half time on Twitter. It'd be really good if we just leave it at 2-1. No more goals. Thanks very much. I'm glad we walked out with a win because when I looked at that score in the morning about 5.30 and a half second, it was quite uh, yeah, quite a shock. I, I think this game goes pretty differently if it was played in Perth, though. So I think yes. I think in some ways the old Unite round did us a bit of a favour there. Um, so that's good. You know, that's 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 a, tr- t- a tough trip away to Perth. So to have it, have this game play out the way it did and come away with the points is, is fantastic. Because, um, yeah, I think if this is in front of an actual home crowd, nah. It, did, it sucked for the women, but it worked out really well for the men. Mm. Now that Unites football like Perth versus Wellington in Sydney in front of 1,500 people, I think it was. 200 people. <laughs> in, in, in about 20 mils of rain. Unite round, united it, mate. All right, we'll run through this quickly because uh, there's uh, lots to talk about. Um, as you say, Taggart opened the scoring after seven minutes with a an absolute bullet a header from I think basically the penalty spot. I I I struggled to understand how he got that much power from a very floaty cross. Like if you watch the replay, I think Tim Payne is one of the two marking him or sort of in the vicinity. And as soon as the hit he goes up the head, he kind of puts his hands up as easy boys. It's his game, you know, and it just yeah just top bends like as a neck it must be neck muscles right or something I don't know. Well, look, it looks effortless from him. Like the the movement he makes is almost like a little flick, and yet it's an absolutely driven header in the top corner. It's phenomenal. I don't know how he's done that. And Paulson's a little unlucky in that a it was going to be tough to save anyway, but he's also slightly wrong footed by he's kind of doing a little hop in the other direction, so he's in the air at the moment. Tag it hits it and has to kind of land before he can go back, and so it looks even more spectacular because Paulson's so late to it too. Uh, but f- he wasn't getting there anyway, so it didn't matter for shit. Yeah, unbelievable. And I think I think that probably signified a bit of a maybe Perth started the game a bit better, maybe held the position a bit more. Just looked a little bit dangerous without kind of yeah knocking on the front door every time they got in the front third. But um, maybe after about twenty or twenty five minutes, I think we started to take hold and started looking far more comfortable and and you know dominating position. Pennington after about half an hour sort of ripped a yeah a real tasty cross against the six yard box. No one could get a hold on on to it um, before the goal after 29 minutes. Costa was going for the, I think, fifth game in a row. I think uh, David Ball, I think, look, was looking to play a pass to, I think, um, Tim Payne on the right and did the, the no-look pass to Costa on the inside who, who cut in and um, his left foot sliced it um, to the near, near post and maybe a little bit of questioning about the goalkeeping on this. Yeah, I mean, getting the, the, your near post, I guess, but, like, let's not underestimate the shot fake before the cut you know like the subtleties of the movement that's a textbook for young strikers when you're played in with a reverse ball just sumptuous david ball i think played an incredible game 
I think he's been given a little bit of criticism recently, I think because of just of his lack of like goals output, but I feel like he's that he's become that kind of the secondary assist guy, the guy who's who's playing the ball to the assist, which which goes, you know, a little bit more unnoticed than you know, if you score or assist. The the Pennington of the team, if you will. Pennington's come on too. Like. <laughs> Isn't Pennington the Pennington of the team? The, no, Pennington's not the Pennington of the team. Pennington is the play to the whistle maestro of the team. Yeah, well, I mean, we might as well just jump straight to that. I think uh, the second the second goal just before half time. I mean, Kraev. I've yet to see a, a good. Do you think it's a pen? If you're manhandling someone, if a striker's got position in the box and you needlessly manhandle them, and they're gonna go down. And realist, like, well, it might, you know, it might not be given, but like, if it is given, you just have to be like, mm, that is a bit stupid. I mishandled that situation. Because they are grappling, and you know what the strike is going to do when they feel that contact. I, I have, yeah. I have, I have no problem with the ref playing an advantage in that situation, but yes, he should definitely come back for the pin if that's not scored, because that, there's definitely a foul there. I, I think it's one of those tough ones where I think if it's given as a pen, VAR doesn't overturn it, but I don't think it's strong enough either that a VAR is going to say, come back, there's a penalty here. I think I think there's a lot of contact, there's, there's grappling. I think it is a foul personally, but you also see this sort of contact not given as penalties all the time, particularly in the A-League. I think, I think if this was Premier League, we'd be having a different discussion, um, but it's not. And there's a lot of contact gets let go in the box in the A-League. And I think this one would have should have been a pen, but might not have been given. Mm, that's true also because it makes, you know, to get a pen in the A-League, strikers do actually have to really sell it and go down. And then I think they get into a bit of a vicious circle where the rest are probably looking at that going, well, Cry has gone down looking for it. But he's gone down looking for it because he has to do that to get it. Um, so it's just as well Rufus yeah. smashed it. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think VAR gets involved. I think if they don't award it, like Dave said, I don't, I, it didn't. I mean, it, he never signalled advantage after the goal, which it, referees normally do. So I'm suspecting he wasn't going to. Yeah, I don't think it's it, going to be given. given a bit of recognition for Pennington, who who basically ran past about three or four players to to get the ball out from under whoever's legs and and lay it off to Rufa, who, despite what Archie Thompson said, um, does not normally score crackers. Excellent strike. He he's kind of tried. He's tried to tried a few of these previously. A few long distance shots, but um, I mean, obviously, not, not as good as this one, I suppose. Well, he scored a tap in and a penalty in his career. A tap in and a penalty. That's it. So you know, he they definitely haven't hit him as well. But I mean, I think this whole game, it's like this was such a good strike in terms of the technique of it. Like, it's just so technically good because it's actually a hard thing to execute the the low driven shot into the corner when it's spinning and coming at speed, etc. And I think that's so much of this game was like you could show it to young footballers and be like, "This is good football." You know, the the subtle body feint before the chop for Costa's goal, the header, the the duress on the header from Taggart, the Nico Pennington playing to the whistle the way that he did like the hit from pain the hit from Rufa, like so much of it i was just like this is this is some good football this is some great football that we're watching i mean the strike from the perth center back as well which is outrageous the celebration however <laughs> not the blueprint we'll come come to that in a minute um so we went into the half at two one do you think it's a pretty fair reflection of the game up to that point i think we deserve to be ahead but i i think it felt already like a game that was going to be tight and could go either way that, you know, there was, there was more to come. I think if you were thinking 
that's it, it done like it was the woman you you were dreaming because it looked like there were more goals and that proved very very true yeah i think it was there four four goals in about 25 minutes after halftime i think uh as you say helena uh picked up the ball took i think maybe two touches and i said at least 25 yards out i'd say maybe maybe a little bit maybe a little bit more and just thunderbusters it straight in i mean I love it. I love it because it had really just started bucketing down as well. Like the the rain had really only just set in, and it was absolutely tipping it down. And then he scores this one out of nowhere. Just when you're thinking maybe the football will start to get a bit a bit scrappy because of the rain. I think the commentator had just said that, but they just said, "Oh, it's starting to rain now. Like, can um, Perth scrap something here?" And then the guy takes two touches and just hits the leather off it. I mean, it was. Yeah, it was, like, it was like playing FIFA, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think if you if you're harsh, I think you know there is probably a little bit we could have done to prevent that. But I don't think you're looking at a centre back taking two steps, you know, thirty yards out and thinking, I really need to like come out and block this as opposed to kind of just holding shape. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. Yeah, you're not thinking this is going top bins unsavable with a bit of curve for for good measure. You know, it's just not what you're. That's not the high. That's not the high probability option. Like it, you, you'd kind of criticize someone for coming flying out to block that in some ways because they'd inevitably yeah. leave open a slip pass if they did. Quality is yeah. quality. It's it's the one that when the centre back chips it straight into the keeper's arms. You know, someone else says that's great, boys. Let them shoot from there all day. You know, like that's yeah. that's what you're thinking in that moment. But instead, he absolutely smashes it top bins, and you go, well, maybe maybe don't let him shoot from there all day. Then. I mean, honestly, <laughs> if I'd been on that field, like the second I saw him, you know, get into the backswing to take that, I'd be like, yeah, it's fine. Like I would be the person that said that's fine. Let them take that. And then when it went top bins, be like, what the. There's nothing we can do about that. Oh, 100% there's a player on the field that even as he hits, it goes, easy lads, or something like that. Definitely that someone has to that on the pitch. It would be me. It would be me. I'd be that person. I love saying that's all good. <laughs> it was not. Helena, you're the only goal scorer on this pod. Uh, talk us through the goal no. celebration. <laughs> well, 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 I'm insulted by that. Thank you. You're going to get fact Just because I haven't scored a I think that was intended. Yeah. Doesn't make her the only goal scorer. Yeah, and Dave's the only keeper, right? Yeah. <laughs> As someone who, due to being a woman, doesn't really celebrate goals because that's just no one celebrates. If you want to look like a dick, you celebrate your goals. Well, I think I think if you want to look like a dick, you should bring this one into your wheelhouse. It's good. It's good. Why I, I want to know why women don't celebrate, but that's not a discussion for now. There's a discussion. For yeah, I mean, it's a, I, that, it's a whole pot on that. But I mean, I think this is one of the worst, most stupid things I've ever seen in my life. In any environment. Like, just what are you doing? I mean, but as a result of that, I think it's camp and I kind of love it. I mean, if you scored that goal, you can do whatever you want. I don't care. <laughs> really? You can do a somersault. I, think... I honestly think you've earned. That's what I mean, it's camp. Because if you scored an absolute screamer like that and you do that celebration, at that point, I just had to call that commitment to the bit and I have to salute it. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you've, if you've scored a tap-in and then you do this, <laughs> you're a right dickhead. But I think you score this one, you can you can do whatever you want. Yeah. If he, if he wants to take his boots and long socks off and throw them into the crowd, all for it. Sub yourself off, mate. And it is social media to score this. That's exactly what you do. Right, yeah. Out of here, boys. And you walk off, off to in the glory. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, 
I guess in, our response wasn't wasn't that far um, after. I think five five two minutes later, um, Costa gets in behind on the on the left side. You know, beats a couple of players and then does a um, fairly delicate cutback to the I guess about the penalty spot and and Payne just again smacks one and and nothing nothing delicate about Payne's hit right nice delicate ball through to him and then he just absolutely smashes it and it goes straight through the shin of a defender too which I love yeah it blasts Huge the guy's leg, leg out of the way beautiful you know? yeah. like the guy's whole leg is like on the ground to block that shot <laughs> and it gets pushed off the ground by the force of the shot I felt like there was there was a, there was a, quite a bit of anger in that shot it felt like there was quite a cathartic release of power it was um almost almost golf swing golf swing-esque you, you know what it is it's it's the type of goal that if he misses the commentator goes oh he should have should have placed it instead yeah like the commentator would definitely say the opposite of what he just did even though and if he placed it and it was saved they'd be like at that distance you've got to just you've just got to put your foot, foot through it from there my view is always put your foot through it from there for those listening at home because it will deflect off the defender in it. My my view is put your foot through it from everywhere, but that hasn't always worked for me well. You're just talking up your goal scoring credentials, Cam. So, <laughs> no, I was just saying that she's not the only goal scorer. Thank you. I'm not saying I was great at it. I lay no claim to being a goal scorer. We're going to get fact checked by my teammates. I'm I'm a David Ball <laughs> kind of get abused for not scoring goals but have the highest as tally kind of vibe i mean if i think if anyone wants to less be checked fact checked by their teammates on their goal scoring it'll be cam and the lads he used to play with i don't i don't think he wants anyone fact checking that, that on a podcast for him. <laughs> no i don't mind yeah well the uh the goals kept raining down as much as the uh water rain? did rain did i don't know <laughs> oh, i'm gonna say rain rain didn't sound right but anyway perth um Brought it back to 3-3, I think, at that stage. Uh, Lucio got, a, like, not even a yard of space in the, in, just inside the box. And, again, just another one where um, I think the ball was just passed Paulson before he's really had a good chance to react. Like, it wasn't exactly in the corner, but it was in that bit kind of, like, straight above your head where um, if you don't have time to react, you never get your hands up to it. It's an awkward one. It's it's not quite as spectacular as the other two, but it's... It's still a very nice finish and very tough to save. Um, he's just he's just found that out of nothing, really. Yeah, I mean the touch to settle is great and creates a chance where there shouldn't have been one. Uh, and then almost immediately after, um, Costa gets his second goal to go with his assist as well. Again, Payne becomes the provider, teasing cross for Costa, who I think just casually puts out a left foot about waist height and just guides it in just. When when you're on, it. you're on. Eh? It's like this is actually. I feel like this is a lot harder watching the replay than it actually looked like first first go. One of the hardest finishes to control, yeah, is the studs down into the net. He he he's he's made much easier finishes look much much harder than he made that one. That was just that was yeah, as you say, a man a man in form who is really struggling to miss at the moment. Yeah, and I think underrated ball from. Roofer to put to put pain through as well yes. because that's it's quite congested there and he just finds a magic ball to completely open it up and the defenders are nowhere near pain and pain and cost by the time it's in the net yeah four defenders are taken out by that pass 
And then, you know, the ball from Payne, excellent. It's got that back spin on it, so it's in no man's land. And that makes that finish harder. You know, when you're finishing with your studs with a ball that's got curved back, that ball wants to go under your studs, doesn't want to go into the net. So just, you know, I think it's, it's one of those moments where my dad, when watching my games, would have said, good football all round. Good football all round. <laughs> um, and there were a couple of late chances as well. Um, Old came on quite late in the piece. I assume he he didn't play for just trying to manage his his workload. I think he's had like quite a lot of minutes the last sort of month or so, and, and perhaps just given a little bit of a break. Um, he put a cross, cross um, a ball across the face of goal, but um, Pennington couldn't get it onto it. And then five minutes ago, um, Ivanovic of Perth, you know, despite looking at the three quality goals that he scored, had a point blank header from about three yards out, and the best chance by a long, long way, and put it over the bar. Great for us, but. Whew. Yeah, I suspect this is one of those moments you're you're talking about that was a lot easier to watch on the replay, knowing the results, than yes. it was live. Uh, these these are the ones that live were killing you, and yeah, even 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 some of the things like that was a fantastic chance, but just just other moments where it felt like it could open up at any time made it a very tough watch live because you knew it was it was tight, even though it shouldn't have been. And then it finished four three. Great to get points. I guess somewhat in the back of my mind, I'm like, Ooh, we've conceded three then two last week and then three the week before like our our very stubborn defense in the last three games has gone a little bit a little bit rocky uh, i hope it's just a kind of like a blip rather than a more of a, a long-term trend yeah because we still have one of the best you know statistically one of the best um defenses in the league i mean mathematically that perth game is pretty defensively explained as a blip because the stats are what they are right like <laughs> it wasn't so much defensive frailty it's just a bunch of worldies yeah Yep, all right, I guess you're back to the points and, and yeah, move on. It moves us back to the top of the table and we host uh, second place, uh, Melbourne Victory, on Friday night. Seems like a, an absolute age since we've had a Friday night game. Look, uh, Cam, you were thinking it was five or six years, I think? I think it's even longer. It might it might actually be it might actually be seven. I can honestly not recall the last time I photographed the game on a Friday night. Um, there was a massive run where we weren't back in the mid 2000s we uh, sorry 2010s we weren't getting anything other than you know sunday at seven o'clock kickoffs or you know those really unpleasant mm. kickoff times so we weren't given the the friday night kickoff times so um it's been been quite a quite a long time yeah friday look, you know, these, these nights are great it's like saturday nights friday nights haven't always necessarily been good for numbers but they've always been great for atmosphere and so that's that's the one thing i'm looking forward about this friday is that people are now back at work and if they're going if they're not back at work they're going back work the following week after wellington anniversary weekend so there's a lot of them back in town now and there should be a decent number of people who you know finish off your holidays in what could be a good uh, a good uh, night out so hopefully Hopefully there's a there's a decent crowd there, and hopefully the weather plays ball, and you know there can there can be some decent numbers. Yes, yeah, so no no fauna Ollie for them, which is um, always a bonus. Uh, they still remain unbeaten. It kind of it's kind of weird. Like it doesn't feel like we're top of the table. I don't know what it is, but maybe because it's so far you know out from the end of the season, and I'm like expecting us to kind of crash and burn at some point. It's also incredibly tight, mate. It's an incredibly tight table. Like there's what four or five teams on 18 points, so it's and we're only on was it 24, so that we're we two two wins within the six, but a couple of losses 
and we're back into a, a fight which could see us drop to eighth very very quickly so it's it, it doesn't feel like we're on top because everything is really congested within there no one's running away with it like they have done the last few seasons where city's just like bolted and maybe someone else is bolted as well um and then there's been a fight in the middle but everybody's within that uh in that small gap of points there there's only a couple of teams really out of perth and newcastle only really the two that are, are not really in with too much of a shout and western and western yes sorry i forget about them because they're so forgettable <laughs> is this a bit of a, a bit of a, a yardstick of of where the season is like if if we win this are we like whoa, are we are we are we almost like favorites like is that the kind of area we're in or are we like if we lose we're like oh no we're probably just the best of the rest dave you've got a very smug look on your face i know you want to say something Oh, no, I was just holding up six fingers to because I thought you were going to say the magic words of "Is this a six pointer?" Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought that's where you were going. I was like, "Don't do it, Dale. Don't do it." <laughs> Thankfully, that's not where you were going. But you were like, "Is this a?" And I thought it was happening. No, I think I think it's going to be a good test. I think it's 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 really nice to have a Friday night game back, and it's nice to have have managed to line one up with a really exciting fixture, right? You know, to first versus second is not a fixture the Phoenix are normally playing, so um, it's good to be in that position and good to be going into it thinking that we could win this as well. You know, normally a, a playing a Melbourne victory side is not a thing we're excited about, but I, I genuinely think we're in a position we could beat them and do it at home and secure our spot at the top of the table. I, I think it'll be a tough match. But the biggest threat of Fauna Roli is not going to be there. So that has to give you a bit more confidence that you can do this. Because any other time, he's he's certainly scoring at least one, if not more, right? So you can take one goal off at what they're going to score and, you know, go from there. And we're, we're banging him in for fun at the moment, it seems. So, yeah, I, I think we're a real chance. And I think you, you get this and you get a bit of a lead on that chasing pack and suddenly anything's possible for that that run into the end of the season. A very quick, quick news because we're running quite long news yesterday that Greenacre has signed on to two more years, two more years running the academy um, and to do that alongside being promoted as the under uh, New Zealand under-20s men coach. Oh, and also they've announced Lee, Lee Padmore is um, taking over from Chris Coleman, who's left. Oh, yeah. South Island, as we have him. Steve Coleman. Yeah, sorry, Steve yeah. Coleman. Yeah. Sorry, my bad. Okay, kind of gets interesting that Greenacre's announcement Kevin he was so heavily linked and I think even one Auckland based journalist said he was going to be part of Corica's um coaching staff um so he's obviously shunned that shunned the black knights eh yeah no I think it's interesting I, I think I think there clearly will have been you know where there's smoke there's fire there obviously will have been discussions taking place between him and the um, about to be named black knights franchise yeah, it's interesting that he's stuck with Wellington. I think I think it's good, but it obviously shows that, you know, he does want to be working in that youth space, picking up an under-20s role, and that being the deciding factor alongside academy stuff. Um, must say something about what, he's, what his view is in terms of wanting to work with, you know, that kind of youth and next generation rather than um, franchise building in Auckland, I guess. So, so, yeah, I think it's interesting, and I think it's probably a good move. Hopefully it, hopefully it goes well. Cool. All right. I think that is probably enough for one week. Um, I've had enough of talking. I guess, yeah, if you uh, get along on Friday night, if you're in Wellington, um, drag a friend or a colleague along. Fever's usually pretty good pumping on a on a, set, uh, on a, on a night game. Um, even if the crowd isn't um, you know, huge, the, the Fever's usually pretty packed in there. So I guess we'll hopefully, uh, Frost will be back next week and we'll talk to you um, then. See ya.
Lake City.